Olivia Cook said in an interview that her character in the Hot D, Allison Hightower, has a bunch of kids that are quote, all effing weird. And you know what? She's right. Allison's oldest, Prince Aegon, in his unusual morning routine. Her second son, Aemond, is now a one-eyed psychopath who threatened to feed several other children to his massive dragon and tried to bash their heads in with rocks. But it's her second child, Princess Helena, that is maybe the most effing weird of them all. She seems to speak nonsense and has a love of collecting insects and neither her siblings nor her parents seem to understand her at all. Because Helena doesn't actually speak nonsense. She has the gift of prophecy and nobody around her realizes it. She may not seem it, but Helena may be the most important of her siblings to House of the Dragon. None of those around Princess Helena really know what to do with her. She seems to see the world around her very differently. Her brothers regard her as an oddity, and Episode 7 commenting on how she's strange even among them. Aegon expresses regret that he's going to be forced to marry his little sister, and no, not because they're siblings, of course not that because they have nothing in common and that he thinks she's an idiot. Aemon doesn't disagree with Aegon's assessment, however he very Stannis-like declares that he would marry her if Aegon wouldn't out of obligation and duty to strengthen their house. A very Robert and Stannis Baratheon conversation. And it's not hard to see why her brothers regard Helena this way. She speaks in seeming bizarre non-sequiturs that often seem like disconnected ramblings. She also has a collection of bugs that she likes talking about. Seems while her brothers are obsessed with dragons and sex, Helena is instead a bug catcher in Viridian Forest. A character similar to her from the books is the fool for Shireen Baratheon, Patchface. The jester supposedly drowned in the wreck that was bringing him from Essos for Stannis, but was found in revive. Afterwards, he spoke in bizarre riddles and rhymes that also seemed disconnected from reality and, and never made any sense to those at Stannis's court. Although not that weird, Helena fits in better than Aemon does as she too is a dragon rider. At a young age, Helena claimed the blue and silver she-dragon Dreamfire, previously belonging to the Queen of the West, Reyna Targaryen, herself also considered pretty odd and a bit of a dreamer by her peers. Seems Dreamfire has a soft spot in her heart for the dreamy and the strange in the House of the Dragon. Okay, so yeah, Helena is a little bit weird, but you know, so what? The way her family treats her, you think she was like Orson Lannister and his love of What's the Beatles. Snuff them. Go, go. Well, you may have noticed during episode six that everyone who has read Fire and Blood freaked out at her, including yours truly. Helena and Alicent were sitting in the royal chambers, and Alicent is just doing her damnedest to pay attention to her daughter as she describes her bug collection. This one has 60 rings and two pairs of legs on each. That's 240. Okay, so, you know, seems a little strange. I guess she's just kind of talking on her bugs, but this is a hint that you should be paying attention to what she says. If you think about it, Helena has just counted how many body segments there are on the bug and then multiplied them together in her mind. Alicent looks pretty bored hearing about the legs on a bug, but this is actually a nudge from the writers that Helena is incredibly smart and that you should be paying attention to her. The line, though, that got absolutely everybody fired up happens after Aemon arrives. He had tried again to tame a dragon in the dragon pit and failed, with the king's guard returning him slightly singed. But before anyone explains what happened, Helena just glances at her brother and says, did it again. Okay, not that hard to figure out from how he looks in the king's guard, but this is demonstrating that Helena is not quite as disconnected from reality as everyone thinks. Allison then assures Aemon that he doesn't need to be so obsessed with getting a dragon that he will get one one day. Then Helena mutters this. 
You'll have to close an eye. Neither Allison nor Eamon react to it, but for me and many others, alarm bells are going off in your head. The reason being in episode 7. Eamon finally does manage to tame a dragon in an extended struggle against the greatest and oldest dragon of them all, Granny Vagar. However, Reyna and Bela see someone quote-unquote stealing Vagar and wake up Jason Luke to go outside and confront the rider. From the perspective of Reyna and Bela, Vagar is still their mother's dragon and theirs by inheritance, so whoever is riding the dragon is a thief of inheritance and a grave robber. Of course, Aemon and Vagar both disagree with that assessment, but the argument turns into a four against one fight with Aemon managing to come out on top due to his being older and Sir Crispy's focused training. As Eamon is about to smash into a princely head with a rock, Jace throws some pocket sand, momentarily blinding Eamon. Luke then slashes at his uncle with Jace's knife, neatly destroying Eamon's left eye. After the furious court scene, Eamon steps forward and tells Allison to not mourn paying an eye for a dragon is a fair price. And you know what? Otto later agrees saying that it was worth a thousand eyes to get a dragon like Vagar. Wait a second, thousand plus one, thousand eyes in one. I've heard that before. All of this to link back to Helena and ask the question, how did she know? She says well in advance that in order to get a dragon, Eamon will have to close an eye, which is exactly what happens. The only explanation is that Helena is one of the legendary Targaryen dragon dreamers, the rarest of all dragon riders who can use their gifts to see into the future. The show previously introduced this through Aegon the Conqueror's dream of ice and fire, and again with Viserys' dream of his son wearing Aegon's crown sitting on the Iron Throne. The gift has re-emerged in Viserys' daughter Helena, although there's something very different about her and Viserys. Viserys only had that one dream, and he had it once and then never again. Helena, though, appears to be having these dreams constantly of large and small events. This is why her speech seems so random to her family. She's commenting all the time on not what's happening in front of her, but what will happen in the future, in the cryptic language of dream. She didn't, for instance, say, Eamon, you'll get to ride Vagar, but afterwards your eye will get slashed out with a dagger by Luke during a four-on-one fight. She said instead, he'll have to close an eye. It's the truth of the future, but without detail, which is perfectly in line with other dragon dreamers, that what they see is in flashes of images and sounds and smells, some literal and some highly symbolic, so that decoding them for future events can be very, very difficult and often unreliable. This is how we know two famous dragon dreamers also experience their gifts. Daron the Drunkard and Daenys the Dreamer. Daron's life is destroyed by his dream, barely functional because he is constantly reacting to them and trying to avoid the negatives that he sees at night, like his decision to run from the Ashford tourney because he thought the dragon dying might be himself. Later in life, we know that his brother Maester Aemon personally tended to Daron and tried to help him to get ready to be the next king after his father Makar, but didn't work, and Daron drank heavily to try and turn off his dreams by passing out into oblivion eventually succumbing to a pox he picked up from a sex worker. Now, Helena doesn't have the same problem with drinking and excessive horniness like Daron. However, there is a similarity in that dreams seem to interfere with her being able to function and relate to the physical world. Although, you may have noticed that Daron's behavior does bear a striking resemblance to Helena's older brother, Aegon. Drinking himself to passing out the wake, the excessive horniness with Aegon jacking off out a window, and also commenting to Aemon that he loves women with long legs. And then also that he probably 
did try to go have sex with one of the serving women. Now, maybe Aegon is just a horn dog with a love of alcohol, but given that his sister is displaying dragon dreams and his father did as well, I wouldn't be surprised to learn that Aegon has these dreams as well. Keep that one in the back of your head, may pay off. And the other character I spoke about is the legendary Daenys, the dreamer. Daenys is the prophet that saved House Targaryen from the doom of Valyria, dreaming about the destruction years in advance. She did this by convincing her father Aenar of the truth of her dreams and getting him to abandon the freehold for Dragonstone. However, Daenys didn't just have one dream. Like Daron, she had many dreams, large and small, that she recorded in her journal, Signs Importance. We don't know what Daenys is like as a person though, just that she kept a book of dreams and had one important dream that she interpreted correctly. It's entirely possible that she may have been just like Helena, struggling to keep one foot in the physical world and another in the dream world. Perhaps the rest of the Targaryens also considered her odd and unapproachable until they started listening to her words and realizing their potential. It'd be fascinating if that ends up happening to Helena as well, who will be the first to take her seriously. And in that spirit, let's look at what Helena said in episode 7 on Driftmark and overanalyze her words and actions to see what they mean knowing that she can see the future. We see her at the wake for Lena Valarian on her knees using a shell and playing with a spider that she's apparently found. Again, her curious interest in insects is coming through and in that it seems somehow tied to what she's saying as a running motif. And it's not an accident either. Like Laris and the Rats, the show is putting in the effort to find and wrangle these animals for these scenes. So they are important, the while saying this in a loop. Spool of green, spool of black, dragons, the flesh, weaving dragons of thread, hand turns noon. Helena is talking about the conflict that is coming for the succession for the Iron Throne after Viserys eventually dies. Spool of Green meaning the High Tower faction, the Greens, nicknamed after Alicent's green dress she wore to Rhaenyra's wedding feast and the High Tower colors. Spool of Black meaning Rhaenyra's faction. Although they haven't officially gotten that name yet in the TV series in Fire and Blood, that is how Rhaenyra's faction also ends up being nicknamed. Again, supposedly after a famous black dress that Rhaenyra wears in some pivotal moment that we'll be seeing sometime soon. Then the words dragons of flesh and weaving dragons of thread. This tells us a little bit about how Helena is experiencing these visions of the future. She is experiencing it as threads on a loom with dragons of thread being woven by dragons of flesh. Flesh dragons could be, you know, real ones like Vagar, or it could very well mean the Targaryens themselves. As I've covered many, many times before, prophetic dreams are often non-literal and can be highly symbolic. Dragons and Targaryens in dreams are often interchangeable. A dragon of thread could be a banner or a flag, evocative of something the Undying will whisper to Daenerys Targaryen in the future. Mother of dragons, daughter of death, glowing like sunset, a red sword was raised in the hand of a blue-eyed king who cast no shadow. A cloth dragon swayed on poles amidst a cheering crowd. From a smoking tower, a great stone beast took wing, breathing shadow fire. So why would you be sewing banners or flags for a black or green dragon? Well, so the two sides will be able to tell themselves apart on the battlefield. Helena already dreamed that Aemon will lose an eye for a dragon. Now she's telling us what happens next. Vagar is a game changer and a war machine that cannot be matched. The two sides are well past the point of deciding that they even want to fight. They've instead begun marshalling their assets and allies waiting for the future conflict. Otto makes that clear. And the greens snatched away the biggest and best piece on the board, the queen of dragons. A dragon of flesh leading to a dragon of threat. Next up we have 
the hand turns the loom. Now this couldn't be a reference to bait weaving as in the three Norns from Norse mythology, but it's more likely a direct reference to Otto Hightower, the hand of the king. In episode seven, after Allison loses it and tries to kill Rhaenyra with Viserys' magic dagger, Otto sees Allison in her chambers. Allison is initially apologetic and appalled at herself. However, Otto has a different take. He's proud of his daughter for finally showing that she has the killer instinct, the passion, the fury for their side Otto has been waiting for, reassuring Allison that she didn't do anything wrong because it was in service of their family and her children, that she should embrace this ugly game as Otto calls it, justify the means by the end. The hand turns the loom, pressuring and encouraging his daughter to go even further. All of this could be why Helena is so out of it during the event and single-mindedly repeating the sentence over and over. She knows that Aemon is about to claim Vagar and knows what that means for the future. Her dreams are coming true, that she may know exactly what's going to happen and that she can't stop it. And nobody listens, just ignoring her words as the ramblings of another mad Targaryen. But more than what she says, let's analyze what Helena is doing in the scene and the camera work. She's kneeling in front of a large pile of oyster shells. Helena is playing with a large spider that is crawling all over her hands. She then picks up a shell and coaxes the spider into it. Then all at once, she closes her hands, trapping the spider. And she does it kind of violently as well, almost sounding like she may have smashed the spider or the shell. Also, if you listen very closely, there's this strange sound effect added, a whoosh that sounds like what you hear as a magical spell being cast in a video game. And then the camera does something intriguing too. Remember in previous videos, I've talked about the choice of cuts in film editing and how they are often more than just changing from one scene to another. Juxtapositioning of two images often means far more than they do in isolation, okay? The Kuleshov effect. While the show and their editors again seem to be using these techniques. As she slams her hands together, the camera then cuts straight to the new Lord of Harrenhal, Lair Strong. He's standing nearby in the background of the wig, this really big smile on his face staring at something, much like the previous example where the camera cut away from Damon bashing in the head of Rhea Royce with a rock instead showing us a fish being decapitated, we can infer here that somehow the spider, the shell, the hands, and Laris are all being connected. I know, I know. I've made two videos in three weeks about Laris, but you know what? This is a secret Laris Strong video. Gotcha. By some chance you've been onto my channel recently and haven't heard me talking about Laris, I've got two videos exploring in depth his character and possibly his magical powers that you should definitely definitely check out. One implication you can make from this cut is that his smiles for what Helena is doing or saying. Maybe Laris is amused by Helena's words in the game she's playing with the spider before catching it, or maybe his smiles for the war that he's made sure is going to happen by telling Allison about Rhaenyra's moon tea 10 years ago. A war that he continues to push for, killing his father and brother in a fire so that Otto Hightower will return his hand to the king and continue his one-sided push for Aegon to usurp Rhaenyra. Laris may be pleased with his progress towards making the dragons dance for him while Helena is troubled. Camera then zooms out and we see what Laris is actually smiling at, Alicent Hightower. According to her jealous, not-boyfriend Crispy Cole, it seems Laris has been smiling and staring at Alicent all day. Alicent brushes it off, saying that, you know, he's just happy to be the new Lord of Harrenhal. That doesn't make a lot of sense. He did that quite a while ago, and extremely coldly, with no sense of triumph or joy. What does make sense, though, is using the spider as a metaphor, that Laris is pleased that he has entangled the queen in his web, that he has found a partner for his game. In the after the episode for episode 6, the showrunners explain that Laris was 
was very pleased that he and Allison now shared a secret, that he has trapped her with it. He killed his family for her, and now she's one step more into his ugly game and that she owes him some kind of big favor. Laris trapping Allison just like Helena did with the spider. We can go deeper than that though. If you believe my theory that Laris Strong is a secret green seer, then maybe just like Helena, he knows what a special day this is for the war he's been trying to make happen. Maybe he saw in his dreams as well that Aemond would lose an eye for Vagar and a future of a war that he's not afraid of, but is giddy for. Laris being the hand that turns the loom, using Allison to make sure the dragons of flesh weave dragons of thread from spools of black and green. One thing that Helena and Laris also share, unexpectedly, is bugs and insects. Helena collects bugs as we've discussed and seemingly has some deep connection to them. Well, Laris does as well. As in the last episode, it was revealed that Laris uses not the strong sigil, but instead a firefly. We see it on his cane that he uses to walk, and he also pins his firefly sigil to his henchmen that he sent to murder Harwin and Lionel. Still unclear on why he put an identifying mark on his guys, but you know, okay I guess. It's also very unclear why Laris would use a Firefly as his sigil either. Hot D has not decided to tell us through the show nor interviews why he feels a connection to the bug with a light bulb on his butt, and there's absolutely nothing in Fire and Blood about this. However, it does provide a link between the two characters, their shared interest in these insects. With Helena being a dragon dreamer and my suspicion that Laris is a green seer, maybe the bugs are a visual clue to solidify that link for the viewer. That these are both characters with one foot in the real world and another in the dream. Could be telling us that Helena and Laris are two sides of this magical plot backstopping House of the Dragon. The dreams of fire. Hey, wait a second. That's Helena's dragon's name. That's a little weird. Dream fire. Huh. I wonder if that's on purpose. And of course, Laris and his dreams of green. Laris and Helena may end up having some kind of adversarial relationship in the future. Two characters able to perceive a world beyond and with totally different ways of approaching it, even though they might be working from the same information, or even what they can do with it. Definitely watch out in the future if they continue having Laris and Helena interact anyway, or if they continue using these editing techniques to suggest a connection. I'm guessing this won't be the last time Laris and Helena have some sort of interaction. So, what do we do with this information? Well, for one thing, everything she says from now on should be analyzed by you closely to see if you can figure out the truth behind her words. It's like a fun puzzle every time she opens her mouth for the rest of the show where the writers will be trying to outsmart and mislead you about what her dreams mean. A trick they picked up from George R. R. Martin himself, often using uncertain prophecies and dreams to mislead his readers about the future. But also keep in mind how this affects Helena herself. Her knowledge of the future and what's going to do to her and the those around her may be a real emotional pain from the burden of that knowledge. Unlike her father Viserys who desperately wants to be a dreamer, most dragon dreamers consider their gift from the dragon gods a curse that slowly destroys them and those that they love. Gift of sight and knowledge is a heavier crown than any of them that are made of gold, iron, or even Valyrian steel. Many dreamers feel that they would have been better off knowing nothing at all. Maybe Helena knows where her own story ends, and instead of thinking about the dreams, she plays with her bugs and counts their legs over and over and over, hoping to escape the nightmares she sees in her dreams. Thank you to my many lovely patrons for supporting me at patreon.com slash joemagician, and I'll be streaming right after every episode of House of the Dragon at 10.15pm Easter time, so come and join the fun. Thank you all for watching, 